Hello and welcome to COVID-19 and the EU, podcast where we look at how the EU is responding to the COVID-19 pandemic and look to the future for EU citizens living in the era of COVID-19 in the context of travel, health, vaccines and other areas that affect our lives. In this episode, I spoke to journalist and community media activist Birgitte Yallo. We discussed the role community media across Europe is playing in informing the public about COVID-19. We look at the ongoing fight for recognition of community media at EU level. And we talked to Brigitte about what life is like in Denmark during the crisis. My guest on the podcast is Brigitte Yallo, founder of Emperor House, which she established to help develop a sustainable community media sector. Uh, Brigitte also sits on the board of Community Media Forum of Europe, which is a network of policy experts, organizations and federations which aim to support the role of community media on the European level. Brigitte, thank you for joining me here on the podcast. Can you tell us what is Community Media Forum of Europe? We were started in 2004 as a membership organization, exactly as you were saying. We have three core thematic priorities. One is to support an enabling environment for community media. We do that by working with local actors like we have just done and are presently doing in Luxembourg, where activists and radio stations are fighting for um more of a conducive uh, legal framework for community media which are not presently represented in their legal framework and we do that at the European level where we do our utmost to ensure that for instance in the media pluralism monitor that they also include a space presenting in national media landscapes the space for and the activity of community media. The two others are to uh, work for visibility and understanding of what is community media. Uh, surprising for those of us who work in this every day, a surprising big number of people don't actually know and think it may just be local radio, which is part of the definition, but not all of it as we know. And finally, we work uh, to cooperate and, uh, and work for change with other partners. And they are, as you said, uh, national associations. It's uh, community radio stations. It is uh, academia and academic organization frameworks and um, individuals uh, interested and specialized in this sector. Tell us then from a European level, European Union, Commission, Parliament, that sort of thing. Is there uh, any sort of recognition of Community Media Forum of Europe or any, any um, funding for your organization? Now, you mentioned the Commission, but let me begin with uh, the Council of Europe, because uh, CMFE has an observer status in the Council of Europe in the in the media development and uh, media pluralism area. And we uh, take active part in uh, the sections on uh, free uh, freedom of the press and around uh, quality journalism and media literacy as observers, but with a right to speak and to uh, comment on documentation. So within the Council of Europe, which of course counts 47 European countries, we are recognized. They have uh, policies uh, highlighting and framing what community media is all about and with the assistance of CMFE a two-pager defining what community media is and how it fits well within the European Charter and other European documents as a natural part um, completing you can say uh, a pluralist media landscape. 
For the European Commission, we have uh, frequent contacts. I just received uh, a week ago a mail from Vera Jourova, who is our commissioner, as the uh, Media Freedom uh, Commissioner in the in the Commission, where she offered to uh, collaborate. We got this in connection with a letter of support we sent to her uh, on the Hungarian situation, and uh, we hope that this may be an opening for formal contact at a higher level. We are working on this all the time, and we are working with a number of identified persons and functions within the European Commission. So we are known, we are recognized at the level of uh, an interest organization actively pursuing our, <laughs> to put, put press through our mandate and our, our, our mission, but we do not have any formal function within the EC and we do not have any kind of structural funding. We have within the last couple of years where I've been in the presidency of, of the organization, uh, had several meetings at quite high level where we have advocated for that. And whereas they find what CMFE does and our, our role and our, our platform to be so important for Europe that they have, we have so far not, not managed to carve out a special funding niche for ourselves because we do not match well within the existing channels that uh, the commission has okay so uh, from an Irish point of view and community radio point of view we'll be watching that space closely to see how it develops can I'm I, counting on your support <laughs> can I talk to you about COVID please COVID-19 the pandemic that's basically taken over uh, everyone's lives uh, the past eight months we're looking at kind of media coverage of, of COVID and you know it's covered in all national and mainstream commercial and but also community radios community media organizations so just would you have a little information or understanding of of how it has been reported within community radio around europe well i would say that before talking of reporting i'd like to say that i i think that the covid crisis or pandemic uh, so many names to this evil among us. It has impacted uh, on the community radios at the European level as well as everywhere else at at least three ways. It has impacted on the way in which you can work or not quite work well (laughs) physically within your normal uh, workspace. It has, and it has created a lot of technical and technological fast track advancements, find solutions to the challenges uh, technically and physically. It has uh, impacted, of course, on the content, and I'll get back to that and it has impacted on on the recognition and the, um, the visibility of what it is community media can do to get back to the content you said how has it been reported from what i have heard from what we have heard um, at the core of uh, cmfe community media have been the core and in many realities the most important and in some realities more than we think the only uh, source of appropriate everyday information about how to deal with the um, uh, situation, where to go for help, who can get what help, how you can prepare yourself, how you can protect yourself and your loved ones, and the development around you. So um, this is uh, what I have heard about mostly. Besides from that, there has been a lot of reporting on the effects on, on the dramas, uh, the, the sad stories, and also all the positive stories that come out in a, in a situation like this. Uh, and, and do you have any specific kind of cases that you're aware of uh, from European radio stations? 
I have two uh, specific ones, actually. One of our close partners who we have worked with to support them in their struggle for legal recognition is Radio Ara in Luxembourg. Luxembourg doesn't have space for community media in the legal framework, uh, and it doesn't fit politicians' claim in the media landscape. They have uh, they went from having the, an uh, ordinary number of four or five languages on the station to having nine uh, lang- covering nine languages with overnight when uh, COVID struck. They realized, because this is what community media do, they realized that there were communities out there speaking languages and not having access to the, the lead languages, you can say, in Luxembourg and uh, having no other sources. So within overnight, as I said, or within a day, Radio Ara accelerated their development plan that should have taken five years to cover nine languages. And um, the reason why it was them is that they are so much more flexible than others. No other media did. No other media had that connection to the communities. And few other media, if any, are as trusted as community media are because they are our media, they are our voices. So uh, this is one story about the uh, uh, important impact on the programming. On the other side, in terms of legal recognition, we have a very strong story from Germany, from uh, the land, the federal state of Thüringen, where community media were not really recognized uh, officially, but due to similar uh, reactions by the community media and the authorities realizing that when they talk with uh, their constituencies, they refer to community media as their preferred and, and trusted source of information. The authorities have come out and said, well, maybe we should reconsider our position to community media. We never realized that special niche and special role and impact that they have towards our citizens, our communities. It's a very positive endorsement of community media in that part of Europe. I guess that that's something that you could uh, bring with you to your next meeting with European Commission. <laughs> the feedback. You did that already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess from Near FM's point of view, obviously we have lived through the the, the pandemic and and the challenges that that we faced are would be like other community radios and, and I suppose other media organisations in general. Moving from back in March, everybody. Uh, everybody being in the studios to nobody being in the studios nobody being in our offices and transitioning to that kind of broadcasting from home recording from home and it was obviously a huge challenge that had to be immediately met and scheduling and where you know staff working from home uh, you know volunteers who maybe needed upskilling before they could broadcast record and broadcast from home and then sending in programs so we went through all of that from a point where we had, you know, maybe 10% of people recording from home, we got that up to like 80% by the end of April into May. And then obviously people started to come back gradually. And now we're, we're in a little bit of another lockdown here in, in Ireland um, as we approach winter. But I think it's not as, in terms of the running of, of the radio, we've gone through it once before, so it's a little bit easier this time. But certainly there's been lots of challenges, I think, for community radio, as in any other organization or business, then people have had to adapt quickly and, you know, and, and, and improvise where they can. But I just think it's very interesting that, like what you said about uh, community radio being a trusted source of information among among people and um, why has it taken so long for the European Union to to recognize that and to really give you know to put something behind that whether that be funding or whether that be kind of uh, you know official recognition why, why do you think that is? 
Well, if I had known, I would have been able to be much more focused in uh, in uh, my co contribution to the advocacy work. I know that uh, many um, boards before ours have worked to um, to approach uh, the commission, and we have um, resorted to working through projects and uh, getting the little bit of overhead to keep a minimum um, uh, presence and a minimum of uh, flexibility for uh, for moving around uh, to to actually perform the the role that we um, that we are here to uh, to to have. Uh, I, um, I I really really don't understand. I could say that it is because uh, they have not realized that uh, with their recognition of civil society, community media are an integral part of that package because we are the platforms and the channels and the media of with, for, and uh, and all of this, and about uh, the life at, uh, in civil society. But no, I cannot give you any intelligent, uh, clear answers. We are working through personal contact. We are working, building on all the different existing uh, legal um, uh, frameworks and recommendations and declarations that exist within that own framework of the U European Commission and uh, within Europe in, in general. And when we meet people and when we debate, we meet very strong recognition of the importance of what we say and the, the changes that we document. So no, I, uh, I would love to have been able to say very clearly what the reason is. And I would, as I said, then also have been much in a much better position together with colleagues to do something about it. There's no easy answer, I guess, is, is what you're trying to say that, you know, in terms of... No, let, let me say one thing. One of the things that uh, one always can do and should do is to document impact and to document the difference that uh, whatever you are uh, working for has. And uh, we are doing that. We have had several studies, very uh, good, solid, um, well-prepared uh, studies uh, developed with uh, support from the Council of Europe, uh, documenting in different ways uh, in terms of media literacy, the power that community media have in terms of spaces of inclusion for new Europeans, uh, the power that community media have. Uh, we will continue along that, that path. That is one thing we do. We document the role of community media. We work through existing channels and we try to develop new channels to, um, to, to reach those who may have a chance to, to change things. As I was saying with that beautiful opening for direct cooperation with our commissioner, we hope that that, that may actually be a new inroads that we have made and that, that we would not be talking for deaf ears is there. Finally, I, I just wanted to ask you about your own personal circumstances of where you're living now. You're in you're in Denmark, is that right? Yeah. What's it What's it like there day to day in the COVID context? Well, um, Denmark is a small country with a relatively uh, well-educated population like most other European countries. In Denmark, uh, we had a very firm government response from the beginning, reacting in ways that I find very prudent. We never closed down the whole society. We never had measures as dramatic as in Italy, but we had schools and universities closed down, but we uh, many workplaces worked from home and we contained it. 
we contained it very effectively in in the in the spring and we have had go, been going through a very very um, calm a very uh, relatively slow very uh, well doctored <laughs> or reopening over the summer and we are really back into it again we have had a lot, yesterday we had 1000 um, infections in a day which is way above the numbers we had in the spring but if we had done the intensive testing in the spring that we are doing now it may, might look like nothing so it's very difficult to, uh, to compare the situation there now but right now um, we are closing down some activities but not schools not kindergartens and so on so uh, we we operate on a very cautious um, in a very cautious manner where government and the authorities adjust measures from week to week trying to um, not be too rash in the um, taking away citizens' liberty of movement and so on that is always being called upon, but at the same time trying to protect lives. And in Denmark, lives have in the whole process been taken uh, as much more important than economy. And we will have uh, to think in new ways about national finances, I think, after this. Yeah, it sounds very similar to Ireland at the moment, where actually similar cases as well, where we're, we're hitting about a thousand daily cases at the moment we're in a kind of a strict lockdown where you can't travel more than five kilometers from your home people are advised to work from home if possible schools are still open creches are still open but bars and restaurants for example are shut public transport is 25 percent capacity so i'm not sure if it's you know as restrictive as that in denmark but it does sound kind of similar we have bars and restaurants open till 10 you cannot buy alcohol after 10 and we uh, we can move around freely uh, wearing uh, medical uh, masks, which is a new measure as of tomorrow. Actually, that you have to wear it everywhere, even outside. even outside. Yeah, yeah, that that hasn't quite come in, in in Ireland. You have to wear it on public transport, and you have to wear it in retail premises. But uh, it's not it's not actually uh, a law or anything like that to wear them outdoors. Uh, is there compliance with face masks in Denmark generally? There's a hesitancy, but generally, yes, I think um, I don't have the exact figures, but my but ballpark would be like 80, 85 percent respectful of the need to follow whatever the authorities come up with, trusting that that is what makes sense at the moment. And then there are some who, uh, in a Trumpish manner, find that who are you to restrict our personal freedoms? Yeah, of course. Um, I guess that's going to be there's going to be that everywhere you go. So. We just have to get on with it. But listen, Brigitte, it's really good to talk to you. And I really appreciate the the uh, lowdown, if you want, uh, on the CMFE, Community Media Forum of Europe, and um, some experiences from uh, community radios covering COVID and reporting on COVID. And I wish you the best of luck with your ongoing advocacy in finding some recognition and, and funding, hopefully, at some stage for the work of community radios on the in the european union and i wish you um good health and safety over in denmark thanks again for joining us on the podcast thank you for having me and um the wishes for good health goes the other way too thank you that's it more episodes coming soon thanks to brigitte for being my guest on covid19 and the eu for more info on cmfe check out cmfe.eu be sure to subscribe to the series on nearcast.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. 
COVID-19 and the EU is produced with the support of the Communicating Europe initiative.